Welcome to the Trailer Cast with Elise Snipes. Each week, I will be sharing with you from inside my vintage trailer where I work as a therapist and share some of my musings on the human experience. I am endlessly fascinated and inspired by people. I love being a therapist and I'm deeply grateful for the intimate and beautiful work I get to do. I believe we are wildly capable of healing and making this world a better place, and this is my attempt at doing that. Sharing beauty to invoke beauty. May you find yourself inside these stories and ponderings and be better for it. Cheers. Okay, you guys, welcome back to another taboo episode. I am sitting down today with Celeste Holbrook. One, because she is the master of what she does, (laughs) but also two, because this was one of the most listened to episodes. The last one we did together was all about sex. That's right. Mm -hmm. S-E-X. We're back today to talk about sex via the lens of taboo. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So let's give us a little rundown about who you are and what you do for people who haven't heard our first episode. Sure. Well, thanks, Elise, for having me. Um, it's always an honor and a pleasure and so much fun to be on your podcast. I'm Thank not you. gonna lie. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> it was like my it was like my just get through today and then I get to podcast with Elise. Yes. Be okay. <laughs> yes, I love it. <laughs> yeah. So I am a sexologist. My mission in life is to provide safe spaces for people, particularly people who identify as female, to talk about sex. Um, I do believe that comprehensive sex education will change the world and make us less marginalized, less oppressed, less all of the things. And so any time that we can engage in informed, clear, um, curious conversations about sex uh, makes us all better. So that's what I do. I love it. And you're doing that in a variety of ways right now. You're doing that through online Mm -hmm. coaching. You have something coming Mm -hmm. out. We'll talk about that. Yeah, so I have um, a practice that's virtual. So I do see people one-on-one via the Zoom platform, which is Mm -hmm. a video platform. So I have clients that way. And I also teach a couple of online courses that I've created. Um, I have a PhD in health education. And so I use health education theory and practice to develop education modules. So um, education really (laughs) is my, my like jam. Jam. So I I love (laughs) online education. (laughs) Um, and then I'm currently writing a book. Yes, <laughs> really you are. Exciting and hard all at the same time. So, and I also do some speaking gigs here and there, which is also really fun. Love it. I love it. Okay. And <laughs> this is so since our last conversation, and we just did like this big, like coming out episode of like, let's just talk about sex. Like, let's just actually talk about it. Mm-hmm. And the amount of people that reached out, I was like, oh, people don't know don't know things and so we have to have Celeste back and we need to go back into all their questions and then into the questions I've had just the people coming back in saying "Mm, yeah I don't know and I'm married and this is my problem and I'm you know this so yeah Yeah. okay let's can we reverse for a second because (laughs) before, before we formally started recording we joked about going all the way and yeah yeah, we can go all the way. And I just want to just let you know that you have my informed consent to go all the way. I know what we're about to do. And I'm really comfortable with it. And I will let you know if it goes too far. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. This is a piece that is necessary when we talk about anything 
that is personal. Um, it just so happens that it's about sex, but sex is more than physical connection. And we want to be able to ask and give consent. That's a really crucial piece to this whole puzzle. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the things that um, we don't think about enough and why comprehensive sex education is important is because consent to be true must always be informed. And so you can't have consent that is uninformed because you don't know what you're getting into. um, You can't truly consent to it. So the informed part of consent is actually what's more important. Um, and that's why we have these conversations about what yes. sex is and what it looks like and how to do different things and what that feels like or is not supposed to feel like so that you can truly have informed consent. Yes. <laughs> Slash. The, so where that goes is one consensual sex. That's where we're getting those, that, that phrase from. Mm-hmm. And then also age of consent. So when we look at all the different like child abuse reporting laws, we look at mm-hmm. who's able and what age and what makes them able to give consent. Mm-hmm. And so you're right. If they don't have the information, then how could they possibly consent to something that they don't know? Right. So, yeah. Okay. Right. Really important. I love it. It is. Let's let's talk about the stuff. What, yeah. what are we gonna? Yeah. How are we gonna leave the gate here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're gonna. I'm just gonna come charging right through it. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna put out a, some just some some bait, and you decide where we're gonna go next. Um, okay. People that. So my own questions involve how do we talk about sex so that it gets out of taboo and like just on the table. That's not very spicy. I'll get into spicy in a little bit. Um, a dominant question that came in last time was, can we talk about female female masturbation? Yes. And then can we also talk about sex toys specifically? People were looking for actual recommendations. Uh-huh. And then um, let's just, like, just talk about, let's just go there. <laughs> yeah. I love all this. Female pleasure is, like, my, my favorite thing to talk about ever. Um, and so I can't wait to get to that question. But we, the first question was, how do we talk about yeah. Okay. it's so like, damn hush hush or even to say it even if I say sex like if I just drop it in normal conversation people look at me like and I'm like okay so let me get straight you're not going to look at me when I say the f word but I say sex and that's polarized correct correct yeah <laughs> it's pretty wild and you're and like these are your, I'm assuming like you're talking about your clients like people <laughs> who are there to talk to you about really sensitive things in a very safe space yeah that just goes to show how um deeply rooted shame around sex is and you know we could have a whole long semester class about why that is in our puritanical culture but um ultimately it's just hard because we haven't done the work ourselves to make it not hard and that's Mm. a kind of a hard (laughs) answer (laughs) but the more that we say okay I'm uncomfortable yeah a little bit when I'm talking to a girlfriend and she's talking about her um sexual experience and I feel uncomfortable. And then, yep. then just the, it's like one more step. Okay. That's okay. I can feel uncomfortable. That's okay. Mm-hmm. Why, why do I feel uncomfortable? Like just continuing to like follow that little road and ask why. So even you, even me, right. We're professionals who talk to people yep. who are living about private yep. stuff. We yep. go to trainings. I yes. go to trainings. You go to trainings mm-hmm. and we address our own things. St- stuff still makes me uncomfortable. I'm a sexologist. I talk to, about sex to people all day long and still I must address like, there are things that make me uncomfortable and I have to really understand them so that I can put them on a shelf and really address the needs of my clients and stuff. So 
the hold there, then what makes you uncomfortable? And then I'll go next. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like you're asking me what makes me uncomfortable? Yeah, like what oh, is a few that you're like, oh, that's, that's uncomfortable for me? Um, oh, that's a good question. So when we get certified um, through ASECT, you go to what is called a SAR, which is a, a basically um, you are readjusting your attitudes about sex, sexual attitude um, uh, training. And so what happens is you sit in a room with like 60 of your colleagues and they put up images or videos or explicit material and you have to digest it and go through it and write down or discuss or whatever they're asking you to do what about this particular image makes you feel whatever you're feeling and sometimes it is that image makes you feel aroused and I need to understand that or sometimes it is that image makes me feel disgusted and I need to understand that um so so there's a there's probably like small things at this point like oh the way that it sounds kind of funny but the way that that woman looks Mm -hmm. like as in her facial expression like that makes me uncomfortable versus Mm -hmm. like the sex act or they're using floggers and whips and you know I'm like the worst person in the world to watch porn with because I'm just like no (laughs) analyzing (laughs) this yeah like nope Okay, note to self, we're not going to watch porn together. Okay, no, we're not. I'm I'm just dreadful, right? Um, So probably things that make me uncomfortable are like, I can tell somebody feels uncomfortable in this moment. And probably you're intuitive like that too, a little bit like, ooh, that looks like maybe something's going on more than I think. But um, yeah. But yeah, so like I mean, there there might be things like I'm I don't participate in the kink community because it doesn't interest me. So there may be some kink things that um, maybe make me feel uncomfortable. But typically, I can I can uh, note the bias and I don't have a problem yes. with it in clients. So that's interesting. It's neat to hear like the way that the in the way that they did exposure that was exposure therapy, right? To mm-hmm. show you and then desensitize or at least help you understand that when you're faced with this, you're not going to then show the disgust or show the interest that you would just be able to be there and receive slash be with that presentation or whatever that client's bringing in your direction. And right. Right. That's very fascinating training. Um, yeah. The things that make me specifically uncomfortable are really vi- like violence when violence get- gets involved. I'm like, mm-hmm. Oh shit. Is this, wait, is everyone good here? Like, I don't know yeah. if that, like, I don't, I'm having a hard time um, turning off my amygdala. So feeling like this isn't right. Yeah. Um, so that, that is a part that gets me, I get anxious, really anxious. Sure. Um, sure. And I don't and, think you'd be alone in that. <laughs> yeah. I um I I do notice though that all I really want to do are make really inappropriate sexual innuendo jokes or giggle. So I that's yeah. when I notice that I either am like I I just yeah, that's my tell. That's your like coping mechanism. Completely. That's, yeah. And that like since we're talking about it, that happens so often in sex and I hear clients say that so often like well, I'm trying to be sexy, but all I can do is giggle in the moment. And it's such a coping mechanism when we get uncomfortable. Like here I am in my lingerie that I've spent, you know, $80 on. And I'm like trying to do this little lap dance. And like, I go, I go child, you know? (laughs) That's so funny. Yeah. It's really common. Um, Yeah. It's so interesting. So back to our, like the original question of why is it so hard to talk about sex? Know, you know, for our listeners, like know that you're not alone. It's hard for most people to talk about sex. Um, And 
it can get better. Like it is a behavior that you learn. I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't born knowing how to talk about sex. I grew up in purity culture. I was not, Mm -hmm. you know, I, something I learned Elise wasn't born, you know, being able to just help people with their, mm-hmm. you know, therapeutic problems. Stuff. Right? <laughs> you had to learn it. So, yes. Um, be okay with the fact that sex is a learned behavior. Talking about sex is a learned behavior. And you can learn it. Yep. It's okay. Yep. Yes. And we're taking the stigma out. I think that's part of it. And the more that, so just like at, at the SAR training, the more mm-hmm. that we're able to even just say sex, like on this episode, like we're talking about sex. These are two mm-hmm. women talking about sex. We're going to talk about masturbation. Like hear the words and take the sting out. Hear the concept and notice, even as you're listening, what bothers you, what offends you, what entices you, like what, yeah. what is like, ooh, interesting. Like that's what we want to pay attention to in our human experience is what's the draw. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And, and I love that you say that because hopefully by the end of this hour or however we're long together, like somebody listening feels slightly, I hopefully slightly more comfortable with themselves mm-hmm. and with their own questions, like asking better questions of themselves. I always say, I'm not here to give you the answer. I'm here to help you ask better questions about your yep. sexuality. Yep. Beautiful. Um, and so that's hopefully what you're feeling. Like, I yes. think it's really interesting. I can say, say if I'm, I'm talking to somebody and I was like, Oh Yeah my favorite, you know, food is avocados and I love horses and I really like sex. And that will bring up things for that other person, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's so real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I made somebody blush on a podcast once because they asked what my favorite type of exercise was. And I said to sex count and she was so taken off guard that she like, she like, she like, she like couldn't <laughs> handle my response. And I was like, yeah. Okay. So, okay. Well, but, oh, so, so is that a no or <laughs> so I'm like, I, don't, I mean, that's, I'm just really answering you honestly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's really important for us, especially as women to be um, open and those of us who have gone a little bit farther ahead and um, being able to able and willing to talk about it just you know, opens up the path for, yeah. for other people. So yep. good job. Okay. Masturbation. All right um where should we start what what's the question like how to do it or or yeah I've had so the majority of response I had literally I mean this is what was so interesting so women purity culture not purity culture that was really irrelevant was do women masturbate if so how what does that I think people are also I think people honestly are also looking for um how do I understand my own sexual behavior and am I okay like Mm -hmm. am I still in the okay zone and so maybe that's what I hear through these questions a little bit too yeah Yeah. um what do you think the role of masturbation is for a woman in sex okay so yes women masturbate um also, it's really important to know your body, um, it, even if that, even if you aren't comfortable bringing yourself to orgasm, but knowing what your pleasure organisms look like and feel like um, your pleasure organs, like your clitoris, um, is really important. Because if we think about in like going back, this is like the nerdy part of me. If you think about going back to informed consent, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I have to have the knowledge in order for somebody 
for me to allow somebody else into my bodily space and into Mm -hmm. my sexual agency. I have to know my body well. And so many women do not know their body well enough to almost to give informed consent because it is difficult to understand and learn about your own sexuality in the presence of another person. If you think about it, you're always looking through the lens of, oh, do they like this? Do they like that? Mm -hmm. Like that other person makes it difficult for you to learn about your own sexuality Mm -hmm. because you're always filtering it, everything through their lens. Um, So learning about your sexuality on your own is vitally important. It's really, really important um, because, because it helps you um, when you do get into a partner situation. So, I think masturbation holds several different meanings. Um, one is self-exploration. And we start this when we were, when we are little, um, you know, exploring our clitoris and um, seeing what feels good and rubbing and touching. And so many of us are told that that's wrong or mm-hmm. that you shouldn't do that. And that's the beginning of trouble, <laughs> right? Yep. Um, when you're told that your body is not your own basically, or that it is unsafe or dirty to touch yourself um, that's the beginning of trouble. And women, you know, get this, people who have clitorises get this more than people who have penises because, um, you know, when you have a penis and you're being potty trained, you're taught to grab the penis and shoot the Cheerio in the toilet and everything. And well, you're yeah, you're right. Potty trained as a girl, it's used toilet tissue and don't touch it. And, you know, just from the very beginning. So, um, so yeah. The first meaning is um, self-exploration, understanding yourself, right? Um, A second meaning could be coping. You know, it Mm. is very helpful to have a release in the form of an orgasm or at least to make yourself feel better. It can be self-soothing. It can be helpful in order to get you through a day or a hard night or go to sleep or whatever, you know, so it can be very helpful and just simple coping. It doesn't really have anything to do with intimacy or learning. It's just coping. Yes. Um, And then pleasure certainly is a third meaning. Like it feels good. It feels good. And it's something, a pleasure that you can provide yourself that you don't need anybody else for. Um, And the more pleasure that you can understand or derive from your body, the easier it is to have a pleasurable experience with a partner. And not that that's the only reason you do it, but that can certainly be a reason that you do it is because you understand your body well enough to be able to transfer that into a partner scenario. So, okay. Yeah. Can I add, add agency to your list? Like, sure. Absolutely. There was something I was thinking of like with, when, if a woman who has not done self-exploration hasn't used masturbation to cope and, or has not had self-pleasure, then getting in bed with somebody else there, you're already at this place of feeling like, I don't know. And mm-hmm. if I'm in a place of, I don't know, I'm not feeling comfortable powerful mm-hmm. uh aware um i'm not again there i'm lacking the consent piece because i'm like i don't know and then it, i feel like there's a victim switch a little bit like i'm not totally sure and i'm floundering and it's just like it's gonna add to this space of i don't know what's going on here so i'm not gonna say anything yes yes <sighs> yep absolutely and i'm just going to rely on my partner yeah to do what he thinks or she thinks i feel like i need right yeah. Yeah, it does. And, and, and unfortunately that's the way that it happens for a lot of people. Um, yeah, Yeah. for sure. I have this, uh, theory that the way that we grow up in women, the way that women grow up a lot of times teaches us that sex is unsafe 
like at a very base level, sex is unsafe. Even if you're saying like, don't get pregnant, don't get an STI, sex is dirty, all of these messages or that like, you can't dress like that because Mm -hmm. of the Mm -hmm. awful behaviors of other people, like this underlying message that sex is unsafe. And so, which is a basis for experiencing pleasure. You must feel safe before you can feel pleasure. Like a basis of safety. Right, right. Right. So how can you feel safe if you don't even know what's going to happen or what an orgasm feels like or what, you you know, mm-hmm. where, where in your vulva and vagina feels good for you to be accessed and maybe what needs to be touched before that part is touched. Like mm-hmm. what, what are you okay with and not okay with? And can we get our whole body involved in a way that you feel like, God, this not only feels safe now, this feels good. Yes. It has to feel safe before it feels good. And, and like if you, it, you, it's very difficult to experience arousal and liberation in the, in a feeling of collapse. Like I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm trying to keep myself safe. So that's when things like pain yes. and things happen or, right. or manifest. Um, and it's so hard to feel liberation and arousal when you don't know. So totally, yeah. totally. So good. Okay. So, so let's if, talk, oh, yeah. sorry. Details. Say, yeah. Let's talk about like vulva and clitoris yes. and all those kinds of yes. things. Do you want to go there I, now? I do. I want to say, like, how would you even get started? If I'm like, okay, Celeste, I would like to include masturbation as part of my sexual practice. Mm-hmm. Um, how do I get started? So it depends on where you are currently. So some women don't even feel comfortable touching themselves. And so we start with, okay, let's just do some vulva normalization. So if I have a client who is just really uncomfortable touching herself at all, I'll send her like, uh, I have a file, like a vulva library, basically. Yes. And I was like, okay, here's a file. Let's just look at this vulva library and see what comes up for you. What are you curious about? Like, do you need to open it up for about five seconds, look at it and then close it? Okay, perfect. What comes up for you? Like, Wait, am I closing the file or the vulva? <laughs> Or possibly perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So it may be as, 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 you know, distanced as that, or if, if a woman is, you know, pretty comfortable touching myself, but I don't know how to make myself feel good. A little education, like knowing that first of all, the clitoris is how most women have their first and most of their orgasms. So um, which is the pe- the gland on the outside of your body um, that looks like P-shaped, right? Um, and it's kind of at the top of your labia. And so a lot of people feel like masturbation is, you know, maybe putting your fingers inside of your vagina, which it is and can be. But if you're starting out, um, and most of masturbation for women is touching the clitoris or around the clitoris. Um, and so figuring out what feels good in that regard is the first step. And maybe that means not actually touching the part that is on the external side of your body, but your clitoris actually has legs and bulbs. And, you know, if you're listening, please go look up a picture of the clitoris because, um, like the internal structures of the clitoris, because there's so much more to it than just the external part. So you can actually innervate or stimulate the clitoris by rubbing along your labia and down the sides of your vulva. And um, there's just so many other areas of the clitoris to innervate instead of just the glands clitoris. Or maybe you start there and then work to the glands because it's really, it changes its sensitivity as you get more aroused. Yep. Okay. I'm thinking also, so headspace just came up to me. So I'm like, how do we help like women that are like, 
I can already hear like the, the brain train, runaway train of <laughs> how do you go back to your body and say like, hey, this is okay. I'm allowed to give myself pleasure. Like just helpful thoughts that might help pe- keep people yeah. connected to their body, in their body, um, rather than in a shame cycle of it's not working. I, I can't figure this out. You know, yeah. like what's wrong with me? Like that, that's the stuff that gets in the way, both partnered and unpartnered sex. I'm glad that you brought that in partner and unpartnered sex. So yeah, the one thing that's going to definitely turn off your arousal is pressure, (laughs) pressure to feel any certain thing or for your body to respond in any certain way. So one of the things I like to say is think about this as simply data collection. You are Mm. just collecting data. Um, You are just noticing, like you're just noticing. That's it. And there's no judgment to what you notice. There's no shame to what you notice. And if something comes up, acknowledge it and let it pass down the river and continue to notice what you feel, you know, as you touch yourself. Um, Kind of before that, though, framing an environment is so important uh, for us as women and for everybody. Um, But typically, neurologically, we have a harder time compartmentalizing. And so framing is really important. So like if you need to relax a little bit or read a little bit or take a bath or um, make sure that somebody else is doing the rest of your chore list or, (laughs) you know, whatever it is to take a a little bit of that responsibility off. So you have the freedom of brain space to experience the liberation of arousal, then it'll be a lot easier for you to kind of relax into noticing and into data collection. Yep. The the uh, the therapist me also says noticing what the shame block is allows mm. you to then just note it and you can take care of that outside of your sexual experience. Like you don't then start being like, "Wow, I feel shame," and now I'm just gonna sit in shame. It's like, girl, <laughs> yeah. okay, like we'll take care of that another time. Now is not the time for that. Or yeah. if you just can't proceed. It is okay to just, again, make note of those things. Call Celeste. <laughs> out, like, we have to work through that, but you don't need to work through that while you're having sex. Right. Right. That's so good. And I'm, I'm totally stealing that. <laughs> good. good. Steal it. Please. Yeah. That's really good. Okay. Um, well, anything else about female masturbation? Let's see. Um, I have a funny thought about it. This is like. Okay, go. A funny thought. I'm like. Has anybody ever had to teach a man how to masturbate? Like, I just, I'm like, <laughs> like, no one, I've never, ever heard a man be like, hey, can someone show me how to do this? Yeah. Like, I don't, I'm not sure what to do. It's so instinctual, obvious, there, mm-hmm. available, external. I mean, it's just happens and mm-hmm. happening. It mm-hmm. is so funny. I thought, am I going to have to teach Eden how to masturbate? Like, I just literally <laughs> thought, like, <laughs> okay, because, yeah, it, you know, at what point does that get so shut off in girls or women that they have to be, they have to listen to us talk on a podcast in 2020 to figure out how to make their bodies feel good. Yeah. Um, that's hilarious. And also <laughs> sad. Um, yeah. uh, I mean, penises are celebrated. Vulvas and clitorises are not. They're hidden. Um, I mean, we erect statues that look like. Oh, oh my penises. gosh. I know. I cannot. I know. So. Every, everywhere we go. I'm like, okay, really? <laughs> So it's easy to have a relationship with a penis when it is celebrated as good and right and moral. And it is, it is really difficult to have a relationship with a vulva when it is supposed to be hidden and chaste and pure. Yeah. Um, so it's hard. <laughs> it's hard. Yeah. Um, one thing I did want to say, and this is 
like, I guess the first thing I would say is it's also, it's hard and it's also not really our fault. <laughs> like it's yeah. the culture we grew up in. It's not like something we're doing specifically that makes it hard to, right. um, you know, be in touch with our vulvas. But, um, and I'm not sure if we talked about this in our last podcast, but I'm going to tell the story again Good. because it's so interesting to me. So um, Sigmund Freud in the early um, 20th century, um, decided that any woman who could not have a vaginal orgasm after puberty, so after menstruation started, was considered frigid. (laughs) (laughs) This sounds like Handmaid's Tale. Like, I'm like, wait, are we back Mm -hmm. in time or are we forward? Yeah, it's like, it's, so Freud basically told generations upon generations of women that clitoral stimulation means nothing not only does it mean nothing but it means you're like an you're like a child whoa (laughs) wow wow so if you can't have a vaginal orgasm you're still childish so which is wrong and untrue but (laughs) he was so revered that for so many years we use this term frigid to describe anyone with low libido or anybody who hasn't, couldn't have a vaginal orgasm, right, which right. we now know that right. not a lot of women do. They have their first and most of their orgasms through clitoral stimulation. Um, and so it wasn't until the 90s. <laughs> Whoa, come on. The 90s. Bless the yes. 90s. So we, had, we, we landed on the moon in 69. <laughs> we developed the internet in 1985. Um, and so 1998, like I'm a sophomore in high school, in 1998, um, we, this, um, urogynecologist from Australia named Helen O'Connell, she, um, did, she was doing surgeries on, um, female and, or people with clitorises, people with penises. She was doing these surgeries and she noticed that when we were, when we were doing surgeries on penises, there was lots of these little clamps and things that would, um, protect the nerves of the penis to make sure that the pleasure of the penis was not disrupted. Whereas when we did surgery on clitorises and vulvas, there was no such clamps. (laughs) And she was like, well, this can't be right. There has to be some sort of like, you know, you know, developing some sort of protection for the, for the clitoris too. So she went to the cadaver lab and actually did a dissection of the clitoris and just, um, pulled it out and realized it was far larger than we were ever giving it credit for that it had legs and vestibular bulbs. And it was going back towards the vagina and the backside of the clitoris was actually where the G spot was. And all of this stuff, all of this network was there was like this huge pleasure organ. And so she got it, got um, the clitoris actually placed into medical journals and then eventually placed into medical textbooks again. 1998. 1998, dude. I'm like, like, okay. Yeah. And so we're like, oh man, you know, I wonder why I don't feel comfortable touching my clitoris. Well, because forever and ever we were told that they didn't matter. Totally. Okay. I'm, this is TMI, but that's what this episode is. Um, when in sex and health, Fifth, fifth grade the first time they separate the boys and girls and they said like this is your vagina blah 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 again never use the word vulva I 100% my only takeaway was that my inner labia was my clitoris that hmm. was my walking away point and I thought wow <laughs> <laughs> that's 
that's it. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. So that's interesting that, that they even had talked about a clitoris at all. <laughs> yeah. That's real. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. God, it's so interesting. Okay. It really is. It really is. So explore the clitoris. It's far larger Mm -hmm. than you think. And um, it's more pleasurable than you maybe think. (laughs) Okay. For women who are interested in sex toys uh, to use with their partner or on their own, um, do you have a top favorite list? Do you, what would, that's the direction, the resource that you would point people towards? Yes. So, kind of different categories if you're just starting out you never had a sex toy before and you're you want to try some different sensations Mm because really what a sex toy is it's different sensations just like sometimes you like to wear silk and sometimes you like to wear cotton think about it like that just different sensations sometimes i like to be touched with a finger sometimes i like vibration okay um so if you've never had a sex toy before start with a clitoral vibrator which sometimes looks as small as like a bullet Um, and sometimes they're called bullet vibes and really there's not really one greatest sex toy ever what really matters is what she likes the vibration that she thinks will feel good and you need to go into a store if you're comfortable and try one out if you're not comfortable just order wait in the store in the so go to the store and feel one in your hand Oh, I'm like, me, I'm like, stop it. I feel like I don't know what's happening in Texas, but they do not have stores like that around no, 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 here. No, no, no. So you go in and test drive one. Oh, my goodness, hilarious. <laughs> um, but that might be your new calling. Is yeah, well, there you go. Open up a pop-up job. <laughs> but I think it's like you try it, you buy it kind of thing in that, in that regard. That makes sense. Um, yeah. So no, like try it in your hand, like feel the material, you know, there's going to be hard, hard plastic material ones or silicone um, ones or soft kind of like TPR plastic, you know, so there's just lots of different jelly. Okay. There's lots of different um, feel feeling of one. So just if you're starting out, go for a clitoral vibrator. It's not really going to be something that you insert at all. It's just going to okay. be something that you use on your clitoris and your vulva and your labia. Okay. Well, there was something else I was thinking about with that. Um, would you recommend trying that on yourself first? Or is that something that you also would have, like, it's a leading question. In my mm-hmm. brain, I'm like, girl, figure out how to, to, to take care of yourself and use that. So that way you can help guide your partner later. But yes, that might just be my presumption. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I think that's a good presumption. Not everybody, when they're... Um, learning how to masturbate for the first time. Some people feel better if their partner's around to learn Mm. how to masturbate for the first time. So it's kind of like whoever, you know, whatever feels good to you, maybe you don't want to do it by yourself and that's okay. Um, Maybe you want to explore with your partner laying next to you or, you know, like rubbing your back or rubbing your boobs or whatever feels good to you to help with that arousal, go for it. Um, So not everybody starts masturbation on their own, Um, but I would say probably most people do. Um, Yeah. This is a good point that masturbation could be a partnered activity and that there's another layer of intimacy where we are again, taking out the shame piece of it is okay that I do this and it is okay that you see me do this. And what we are together, like there's, there's, this isn't a secret. This isn't a shame thing. This isn't a bad thing. Mm -hmm. This is, this is a thing. (laughs) Yeah. I think there's a big misunderstanding that masturbation is selfish yeah. Um, and I think there couldn't be anything farther from the truth. <laughs> yeah. Let's take that apart. Yeah. Masturbation is not selfish period. Yeah. yeah. It's something that you maybe do for yourself, but selfishness implies that you are hurting somebody else mm. and you aren't hurting, 
in the vast majority of cases, I'm not going to say ever, <laughs> but in the vast majority of cases, you're not hurting anybody by pleasuring yourself. Yep. Yeah. So then this may be like, I'm going to take this into the conversation then for when talking to your partner about masturbation, like I, I think that every partnership has different rules or expectations around communication in regards to, Hey, do we talk about this? Do I want to know, um, how much masturbation would make me feel like this? I'm comfortable with that in our relationship. Does it, is it taking the place of us being together and, and conjugating sex, like in the, like the, whatever, vaginal, vaginal, penile, mm-hmm. vaginal, whatever, all the different combinations of mm-hmm. how do we talk about this in our partnership? So that way it's not a secret. It's not a thing. It's not a private thing that is causing injury. Yeah. So first starting out, just asking each other the questions like, how do you feel about masturbation? How do you feel about your own masturbation? How do you feel about my masturbation? Mm-hmm. What about mutual masturbation? Us doing it together. You know, like just starting out with a platform of how do you come to the table with no pun intended? I with was so much pun intended. <laughs> so much pun intended. Oh, yep. mm-hmm. um, so yeah, just figuring out how you both feel about it. And you might feel vastly different about feel really the same and you'll probably feel like just probably some differences there yep um but i don't you know there's so much sexual experiences that are non-penetrative that can happen if you both are willing to touch yourself together yep um you know we're missing out on this huge amount of pleasure that can be derived from being comfortable touching yourself in front of your partner so Um, you know, I wouldn't think about it as like something I do to myself. It's like something we do together, um, to make our experience more pleasurable and connective. Yep. The, and let's just go with communication. It's okay to say, Hey, look, I'd like to have the conversation. And also if your partner is not into what you are suggesting to say, Hey, do you think we could revisit this in a a month Mm -hmm. or so? Or would you be willing to like, to try and then we can talk about it again. Like there it's Mm -hmm. a no, the first time is not a no forever. It is important to not just have one awkward conversation and then say, my partner's not into that. (laughs) Yeah. totally. Yeah. That's like, that's such a good reference for your whole sex life, right? Yes. Years and years and years to have sex. It's going to change. Yes. (laughs) It has to. Yeah. Yeah. Evolve and grow. Things things get different. When you were little, not little, but things you liked when you were younger don't maybe serve you in your, when you're in, have babies around or I don't know. That's right. It just things change over time. So being able to renegotiate and talk about, yeah, I I think I'd really like to try this or that or, you know. Um, One thing that I think is really important, especially for women to know, is that you can try something and never do it again if you don't like it. That's totally. okay. Right. Like <laughs> now there's informed consent again. I exactly. tried that. I've got the information and I it's don't want to do me. that again. Yeah. <laughs> not, for me. not as much fun as you thought it would be. <laughs> yes, exactly. There's yeah. always like, yeah, there's you can yeah. always go back. It's okay. It's not it's not yeah. linear. Let's put it that way. It's not That's linear. good. That's yeah. good. I wanted to say too about sex toys. There is vibrational sex toys for for the clitoris. There is also um, this one sex toy that is actually very very interesting. Came out in the last few years, and it's called the Womanizer, which is a terrible name. Let me just tell you that right that now. Is a terrible it's, name. It's a um, terrible name. Mm-hmm. Um, it was created in Germany by, and... by Britney Spears. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> 
No, I'm sure she would not have named it a womanizer, even though her song is womanizer. But it was created in Germany, and the translation in German is not derogatory, if that makes any sense. Totally. I don't know how else yes. to describe yes, it, but yes, it yes, was like yes. a woman in German came out as the womanizer. And so funny. Of course. <laughs> anyway, so this toy is like a it's like a, um, a clitoral toy, and you actually put this little um, oval-shaped, like, divot or or yeah oval over your clitoris and it and it's like a puff of air and so for people who are really sensitive to their clitoris um this can feel really good and really different and i've had lots of women say that they really really like this toy um so that's just one other like option and um and then we can talk about other kind of options in a minute if we after we're done with the clitoris (laughs) that's that's key. I uh, there. I did have a few people reach out with clitoral sensitivity, feeling like it's overreactive. Mm-hmm. Um, in in those cases, lots of times, broad pressure, like the full your full hand, or um, having like rubbing your clitoris with your underwear still on. Yes, um, we don't talk about this enough because we think we have to always be naked to enjoy sex. And that's not true. You can yeah. definitely rub your clitoris with your underwear on. So it dulls some of that sensitivity so you can feel good about what's happening and not like ouchy about what's happening. Yeah, I think that's like all Christian sex. Like, <laughs> <people before. laughs> like that's what all the Christians are doing before they get married. <laughs> exactly i have like uh, a minor in grinding so oh exactly. yeah i'm like i'm yeah i don't yeah again things you don't need to coach christians on over <laughs> the underwear sex <laughs> should totally be a meme it's that. so funny um okay so that's a good recommendation the womanizer and is that where is that sold for people listening slash myself um, i'm gonna buy one of these yeah so... i tried to look it up last time I, um, I'm going to plug if you're in the DFW area to go to the velvet box because they're my favorite, um, sex toy store, but you, I think you can buy it like anywhere. Just Google it. I think it might be even on Amazon or if you really are uncomfortable with like a sex toy shop because you don't want to see explicit imaging, there's a site called, and I don't know if they sell the womanizer, sorry, but there's a site called the married dance, which again, not my favorite title but the married (laughs) dance only they don't put any explicit imaging on any of their packaging or any of their websites so if that feels more comfortable or more accessible for you go there i'm usually just afraid i'm gonna like run into a million people i know like where i'm gonna be like hey everyone this is me (laughs) at a sex toy shop you're a therapist (laughs) yeah what a you know what what a beautiful opportunity and example to normalize sexuality at least oh Gosh. Okay. So that's the one thing. That's the one thing that's hard. Um, especially like in my profession is, um, you know, I walk the line between keeping my own life with Nathan sacred. I I believe in sexual privacy, right? Yes. Yes. But also I believe in, um, you know, comprehensive sex ed and making sure everybody gets the the right information. So it's a hard line to walk sometimes. Um, but if you really think about what people really want to know is about them, not about me. Uh, yeah, 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 so yeah, yeah. Making that focus it, all about them. 
Correct. That, that's something too. I, I was trying to analyze, <laughs> shocker, analyze like, why is it so complicated and difficult and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I think people are afraid of sharing about their sex life because they are afraid that that's going to implicate their partner in some way. And yeah, it's like, I think that's why it's like, can we just start with sex with just ourselves first and, and work through what our own blocks and barriers are or stigmas or shame and what, what are the messages that come up as soon as our physiological body is activated and, and we're not trying yeah. to get the juice on your husband, you know, we're trying right. to like help you understand how to be okay when, when, and however, and whomever you're deciding to partner with. So yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that's funny because in, I'm in the process of writing this book. And so I'm telling my own sexual story, which I, at first I thought would be really hard to not include Nate, you know, and eventually I just realized like, there's so much here on my own that I mm-hmm. learned and, and processed and that have very little actually to do with Nate, even though he's my only sexual partner, yep. like, I had so like I, it was all about my own story and therefore yes. did not really include him that much in, yeah, in a lot right, of ways, right. right. Well, let's like to be to really break it down, even if sex is involving another person, it is your own experience. Yeah. Period. Period. So we yeah. can always stay with just the person. Yeah. It's so true. That's really good. That's really good. I'm also stealing that. <laughs> Do it. And I, I honestly, I'm so excited for your book to come out, Celeste. I just <laughs> am waiting for a, a knowledgeable, intelligent, well-rounded, thoughtful, but like woman who's also normal. Like there are weird people in this field. There are unintelligent people in this field. There are just funky people where you're like, can we just have normal conversations? <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, yeah. Yeah. And I love the diversity of the field. I truly do. Um, and sometimes I look at people I follow who I love and I just think like, yeah, I'm just way too practical to post yep. like this beautiful, yep. sexy picture on Instagram. I'm just like, I just, I'm like, I'm a practical sexologist. I'll give you That's practical good. tips about yep. real life sex. and Correct. Yeah. Like we're actually going to help you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's so good. Um, okay. So I am just, any, I'm just trying to think for anybody else who has follow-up questions, um, do, can they email you or should they look at your Instagram? Like if people are like, Hey, I just have quick, quick questions, quick, quick, minor adjustments. Like what, where do you want people to get in touch with you at? Yeah. So following on Instagram is really fun. Cause sometimes I do, uh, stories where I'll answer questions. I do have a Facebook group that's just mm-hmm. for people who identify as female and it is a very safe place to ask questions there I I I really keep that a very very safe space so go follow me on Facebook and then ask to join the circle of sensual women Dr. Holbrook's circle of sensual women that's a great place to ask questions and then I also do just free 30 minute discovery calls like if you know I can point you in a direction in 30 minutes I'm gonna try my best to do that so that's awesome and then the idea of through taboo too just trying to help people understand that taboo can mean a lot I think a lot of different things to a lot of different people. And I do hope that at some point, like if we're not pushing the envelope and talking about like things that make people feel uncomfortable, then like, where are we yeah. going to do that? Where, where do we have conversations about female masturbation and sex toys and it not be, you know, gross or brutal or rude yeah. or whatever? Yeah. It's, I think one of the yeah. best ways to like think about that um, is in the context of um, things like, anal play like I go do a lecture at the velvet box here in my town um a couple of times a year for 
um, learning how to experience anal play that feels good, that feels pleasurable and not scary, not painful. Um, and it's interesting because that is a typically a taboo area that lots and lots of people are interested in learning more about. Um, but we, we're not super sure yes. why. Well, we have ideas about why it feels so taboo, yeah. but, um, but just n- like talking in a very plain language way about like, yeah, this is another way to experience pleasure if you want to, but you don't have to, you know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And just mm-hmm. it out more simply is just so effective, I think, because um, it gives people the space to ask questions that they can't ask anywhere else. Um, Gosh, that's yeah. so real. That's so real. Yep. Because then, then there's freedom in mm-hmm. that, right? Yeah, totally. Totally. So where Velvet Box, you're doing that in person. Would you ever do something oh, like that sure. virtually? Oh, sure. a virtual booty basics course. <laughs> booty yes. basics. Celeste. Yes. Um, three things okay. you always need to know about anal play. The three things are relaxation, lubrication, and communication. I'm hearing that as like real-time communication, like in real time. In, You're yep. having like, yes, no, that yep. hurts. Don't please stop. Yep. Before, <laughs> or keep going. Like, and before, yeah. but yes. <laughs> my supervisor that I get my ASAC certification through, she always says, her name is Beth Bowman and she's awesome. And she always says, nobody knows a liar like an anus. So... <laughs> So if you say you're not going to go in and then you try and go in, bad things are going to happen. <laughs> That's funny. Okay. So, um, the, we are, we're going to finish talking about this, but we are actually going to be together in Texas having conversation Yay. live. If people are like, wait a second, can I come ask my um, question? I can't ask yeah. anywhere else. Then they can come do that. In Austin, details to yes, follow. Yes, <laughs> absolutely, and I hope that I hope that we see so many of your listeners out because um, it's just it's like cool. we're the dream team, right? <laughs> oh my gosh! Let's, every I'm I'm like let's just get in the car and let's just make this happen. I know, I know. It's so much fun. It's fun because there's such neat parallel and there's such like a spunky fun. Like let's poke at that. Okay, let's yeah. let's go over here and look at that. Okay, let's yeah. talk about that. It's just it's so good. Real real practical help in real ways, so and so I'm excited. I'm excited yeah. to, do that, to do that event with you for sure. Yeah. Okay. Anything else you want to throw out there for people that are like, that you want to just shock somebody <laughs> with? <laughs> oh, man. Um, the Booty Basics was pretty yeah, awesome. Booty Basics. Uh, yeah. Um, mo- so if you want to know percentages, like um, the majority of people try anal play, which can mean a finger, a sex toy, or a penis. Um, at least once and about 30% have it as part of their um, regular ish play. So, you know, if that helps you helps normalize or not normalize, or just gives you some, you know, information as a listener, there you go. That's interesting. I, in my brain, it would be a lot more. I thought that I was thinking that that was like 75% of people are, are involving their, yeah. like, um, it's it's growing. The amount of people that, that engage in it is growing simply because it's becoming less taboo, which is good. Um, but it's still the minority of people that engage in it regularly. 
actually so yeah it's and that's something too we can do an entire episode on is like how do we deconstruct what we think everyone else is doing versus what is actually happening right like and what does my sex life mean for me versus what I think it is in comparison to everyone else yeah that's that's so important to because we don't have any good resources to say this is what is or what isn't happening in other people's worlds and when we do that we only it only serves to make us compare and so you know comparison is the thief of joy so um in sex it's just best to do your own exploration have all the have the knowledge and do your own exploration yep it's 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 sometimes i think the comparison game and whatever we're comparing i'm like it's literally an impossibility because there's no other medium comparing to like there's it's not it's not possible so it feels like the most just irrational game like how could we possibly yeah. compare it's totally irrational yeah and i do it everybody does it I, you know, everybody does it but yeah the more we can i think identify yeah. it as irrational and um, unhelpful unhealthy the easier it is to let it go yeah well and then maybe even like just taking it back into your own relationship where it's like how much sex is right for you and how often for you and what types of sex for you and, and how does how if and or is masturbation involved or not or anal play yeah. or not like what is interesting what what are your boundaries what where are you yeah. in that it has nothing to do with your neighbor or your friend or your sister or, right. or whatever and so, i think uh, just like to add on to how much sex is right for you and the partnership know that most couples don't have a matching number <laughs> So like it will always be a conversation that evolves as your relationship evolves and takes into account all the other environmental things and cultural things that are in your life. And then you, you kind of just get in grooves and get out of grooves and get back in grooves again. And that's, and that's called yes. sex. Like- yeah. Yeah. I've been really trying to do um, just kind of like some exploration around what does sex mean mm-hmm. for me? And understanding that why sometimes I want to pursue sex sometimes for closeness uh, sometimes for power sometimes to escape some like what's the what's the drive to to sex and if I understand that too then I'm, I'm really more able to enter into sex more mindfully and more connected because I understand like what's where am I what do I what do I also need that's so good we talk a lot when people come right the the very first intake into the practice is like what is sex for you and what do you want it to be what do you want to feel in your sex life and you know if it's connection or excitement or novelty or you know um release or whatever it is spontaneity (laughs) then you build behaviors that help you feel what you want to feel yes yeah this is such a bizarre parallel but um i was talking to a, a mutual friend of ours and I was trying to compare like like she was like I just feel like I need, like I need to like let these emotions up I really don't know how and I'm like this is like emotional blue balls okay and I said I, I <laughs> and she was she's like wait what I'm like I said I swear I never talked to anybody else like this but because I know you I'm gonna tell it to you like this and you need to just have like you need that release you need that think about it like sex you need to get there you need to have an orgasm because it's so frustrating you have all these feelings and none of the <laughs> uh, the discharge mm-hmm. that you need from 
from all that retention and I was I was dying I'm like okay I'm, I can probably call Celeste because this is a very interesting so conversation bad. I'm now I in like that. I like that though that's really yeah. good yeah. it's it's same yeah. same yeah emotional blue balls um, the emotional cathartic release as orgasm as emotional orgasm as oh that felt so good to have a good cry like think about that you hear people say that oh it felt so good now that I yeah. let that go I'm like it's the it same, is the same. Thing. it's the physical manifestation of what is emotionally happening to you yeah right right I do think it's also why people crave that like quote unquote like makeup sex yeah. or whatever I'm like what are we doing are we are we putting uh schism in there or like ish in order to be able to like have that feisty sex like what is that and can we just ask for what we need or or get what we need without having to also play the emotional game well i think i have an answer to that particular question um about Mm. makeup sex because if you think about the concept of desire desire Mm -hmm. you can't ever desire something you have like I can, I can desire an ice cream cone all the way up until it's in my hand. And then I no longer desire it. I have it. And so people <laughs> must create space in order for there to be desire. And a lot of people create that space through argument. Wow. Fudge. 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 God, this is interesting because this like this parallels very much into attachment mm. and how there's like re- resist attachment, resist attachment, resist attachment. And I feel like I don't have it. And then I come charging back things. I need it. I need it. I need mm-hmm. it. I need it. It's I wonder where the rest like where the reciprocity or that mirrored reaction is for people that do that emotionally as oh, well yeah. as sexually. Um, yeah, I, I, we procure what we need in the same way, whether that's sex or food or attention, uh, connection, intimacy, whatever we need, we tend to use a similar mm-hmm. patterning yeah yeah that's so fascinating i, I want to know more about that it is your work like yeah okay well, let's go geek out we something gotta go we gotta out. we yeah. didn't geek out okay um for people listening i my, my challenge to people throughout this whole taboo is stay with yourself when you're listening and notice what your body is doing, your memories, your brain, everything, how every part of you responds to phrases and names and words and stories and what we're saying. And notice what conversations need to continue to happen because they shock you or disgust you or surprise you. Or if that's an old hat, then you're probably going to be a person who's going to continue to usher other people into these uh, taboo spaces. Yeah. 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 Okay, so stay curious, mm-hmm. friends. <laughs> I hope I get people that respond and say they actually tried, like, they're they're involved in themselves in self-exploration with their partner or otherwise, and that there's a sexual revolution that yeah. happens. <laughs> I hope so, too. And, and if I could give, like, one, two cents, and this is what I say all the time, is Please. that sex is not an emergency. You can go as slow as you want. <laughs> in your exploration, in your figuring it out, in your data collection, like you have a lot of time, even when your parts don't work and you are, you know, 80 years old, 90 years old, you, sex is still an exploration. It's never an emergency. So yeah. just take the time to explore in a way that feels good to you. That's so good, Celeste. <laughs> it just, yeah, I totally exhaled when you said that. I'm like, that just takes all yeah. the pressure out and allows, yeah, you're, you gave safety in that and the timing. Good. That's beautiful. Good. Yeah. Thank Thank you. you.
Yeah. Um, we will continue to think of topics together just so we can keep doing podcast episodes <laughs> together. <laughs> and then we will we should, we'll live record for the one that we do in Austin together. We're going to do we're going to we say we're going to do like sex minus shame, but we're probably just going to blend like what real people need in that moment when it comes to understanding themselves sexually and as a human. Yeah. And if we can help people do that well and, and hopefully better, then they'll do that more often. And then we'll all be Yeah, <laughs> I think that's really, I think that's really key is just, um, you know, ha- helping, like meeting where you are in your sexual journey and helping you in that moment. If it, yep. you know, you need a yep. library or you need a, you know, yep. butt plug recommendation, we'll meet you where you are. Yep. You know. <laughs> We all That's have different right. needs. No shame. No shame. Okay. I hope you have a beautiful Thank day. Thank you. I will. <laughs> Me and my uh, rainbow suspenders are going to go pick up my kids. <laughs> That's so good. I've got, I'm, I'm also on kid duty, so I'll be following your suit on this excellent, side of the country. <laughs> well, thank you so much all right. You have a good yes, day. Absolutely. Great to talk to you and yes. we'll talk to you soon. You too. All right. Sounds good. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. To connect with me, suggest a topic for the show, or ask a question from your own life you would like to have answered, email me at elise at trailercast.com. E-L-Y-S-E at trailercast.com. You can also see more on the TrailerCast website or follow me on Instagram at TrailerCast, where you can watch the renovation of my vintage mobile office and see more from behind the scenes. Remember, you can subscribe on iTunes and tell your friends. 